Welcome to episode number 161 of Take Flight Podcast. Thank you listeners for listening again on another week. Let's start in with a check-in. How are you guys doing? Why don't Good. we start with P? Yeah, no, well, well, um, we're in the final month of the year uh, and I think we can all probably agree that you're feeling that sort of Q4 year-end push. So just trying to get as much done as possible before the 31st whilst at the same time plan for the next year. But feeling good, uh, mindset's in a great place, uh, stronger than ever. I think it's important around this time of the year. Uh, family's in a great space. Um, so yeah, just continue on the marathon, as we say. Any plans for the end of the year? Get away? No, nah, just just nah, just, a normal, just a general break. General break back home. So um, nothing major. Cool. Um, what about yourself, Shua? How are you? Yeah, all good. Um, as as P said, it is the last last month of uh, of quite an eventful year. Um, I'm actually recording this podcast from Cambridge as well, so I've got my last weekend of classes for the year, um, and then yeah, closing out a few things before an exciting 2023. In terms of my Christmas plans, I probably will stay in the UK for Christmas and New Year, and then uh, plan a vacation early January once January classes are are done. But overall, yes, in a in a good space. And yeah, it's been a good uh, good couple of months, I would say. Uh, Daniel, how how are you doing? How am I? Um, I'm I'm well. Slightly tired, a bit jet lagged. Just come back from the US. I was there since the middle of last month. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't a one way ticket this time, but maybe in the future it will be. Uh, read into that what you what you will. But no, it, was, it was nice. It was nice time to be away. That's nice to have the family join. Um, but yeah, all good. How come, Daniel? How come when you made that comment, you looked directly at P? What, what's that? What's that about? Oh, because P's gonna call his bluff. What's funny is I don't know how your video layout is, but I was actually looking at P. But I don't know how you could tell from the way I was looking. <laughs> I was, but yeah, I was. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> She was, okay. she, was, she was trying to unpack more than he needs to, man. No, 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 no. <laughs> if anyone follows Daniel on um, Instagram and is looking for a realtor, um, He's Daniel will be the, <laughs> Daniel's your guy. <laughs> he kept doing like property tours, trying to make everyone in the UK jealous of the size how, of Alu, how did you, how, Alu, how did you feel about that when you was looking? In honesty. In all honesty, I was you, like, you've been Damn. to the US, so, so you've lived in the US for some so time. I know, I I know this. Right? And, but, so, and just to, just to clarify, Oli goes to the US regularly for long weekends <laughs> to catch up with friends. So because the package weekends, is obviously longer, very now longer very than different. weekends, longer than weekends. Yeah, the status is different. <laughs> <laughs> CFO bag, CFO bag is different. Wow. All right, so. No, I think you when you look at the real estate um, landscape in the US, um, the first thing you notice is, is the size of the property, right? Mm. I think you get more for your money in terms of land. I'm not sure in terms of the quality of the build. Um, I've seen certain viral videos. Oh, wow, like, wow. Oli punching holes through, holes through walls. <laughs> you're like, damn, this ain't sturdy. <laughs> but in terms of the land and the price of it, it definitely works out especially really well. Outside of the sort of main metropolitan areas like New York, etc., you do get a lot for your money. So is that why you get a lot for what? your money? Because the quality of the build is lower, Olu? <laughs> not because of that. Oh, you get more land as well. You get more land as well. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. All, all, I, all I say, one, one word, one word. Basement. Basement. Uh, basement. He loves his basement. <laughs> he loves his basement. <laughs> um, yeah, so Olu, how did you feel when you were looking at those stories? Did it make you want to, I don't know, start doing some calculations? Relocate? relocate no, 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 no
But I already know there's pros and cons. The, 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 the CFO the the money is too good. He don't need to relocate. No, 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 no. The, the, the bag in the US is a lot better than the bag in the UK. Yeah, 100%. I mean, all, of us, all of us know that. All of us know that. Here, 100%. 100%. Um, but in terms of um, some some of the other stuff that they have, um, there is, you, you gotta, you got to balance it out with the pros and the cons. Um, and I think, personally, I'm not at that stage of my life to consider moving there. I think in the future, married kids, maybe it might be a conversation to have of, okay, do we want to spend five years or a period of time in a different country? And then you do the analysis of where you feel like is the best place for education, growing up, standard of living, etc. But not at this stage. I had the opportunity, obviously, five years ago to do that. Mm, um, but I chose to be closer to family. Yeah. But I think, Olu, anyway, whenever you go to the US, yeah, you've, always a, you've always got a friend's house to stay at anyway. So, I mean, you're... Multiple, you're good, right? Because I worked there for... <laughs> Because I worked there for a long period oh, yeah. of time, so I've got multiple friends um, to that I can stay there. And then when they come and travel to the UK, yeah. they've obviously got somewhere to stay as well. That's the Wait. beauty, and I think you all know, right? Um, um, Shiwa, you've you've been an international traveler. You've got lots of different rooms and places that you can stay. And yeah, but you know the the, the options. This guy's got op- the Nigerian op- embassy, the, the op- <laughs> multiple places to stay when he touches down. <laughs> Wait, the options on your CFO is just different, Oli. But anyway, let's keep moving. <laughs> cool. Now, nah, um, let's Ollie, get Ollie, to that. Oli, how are you doing? Oli, Ollie, I'm how good. You doing? Um, don't want to echo or repeat what the guys have said. Last month of the year is. I feel like it's always. Sort of the toughest one just to get over the line. Um, but you then you need to spend the time also reflecting about how the year has gone. Um, and we're probably going to do an episode in the future about how we found 2022, um, which has been a great year. Um, pros and cons. Um, and then you just try to spend as much time with family, I find, in the December period. Um, and then start making yeah. your plans and goals for the future. Um, because I feel like December is always a great time to reflect. Reassess and then also make new plans for the future in terms of things you want to change, improve, um, and do differently. Quick thing before we get started, I just wanted to say um, around this time of the year, people generally generally tend to feel tired. Um, a good insight I got recently was just act fresh, continuously act fresh. You'd be surprised how the mind and the body reacts when you sort of tell yourself, "I'm not tired. I'm just going to keep going." So sometimes fatigue is all in the mind, um, and try to take this approach of acting fresh every day and um it could even be an opportunity to have a stronger december act fresh and be fresh so take showers yeah that's your line that's not mine I just <laughs> <laughs> okay um let's get started on this week's episode. just killed that entire gem man but go on <laughs> that was my plan <laughs> um let's get started on this week's episode um On this week's episode, I wanted to talk about how do you start a side hustle or business? Um, I think we're getting into very scary moments. Um, When you turn on the TV, we hear about inflation, we hear about recession, people potentially losing their jobs currently, especially in the tech space or in the future, um, fears about losing jobs. So I thought, look, this would be a great opportunity for the four of us to talk about side hustles and businesses that we've started, because I think there's a tremendous amount of experience that we have between the four of us from product business. So Daniel with his at home with DJ cocktail business, where he 
provides, makes cocktails and then sells it. So you've got product business in the group. You've got two property businesses. So from Shawal with the ACG and Pabilo with Timbo Capital. Um, and then you've also got like a property management service business for myself, Beckley Rose Property Solutions. So over the last years, we've been able to create businesses, scale them up, make them profitable. And I thought it would be a good idea for us to share some of that experience tips with the listeners um, so that we can either motivate them and also give them tangible um, tips and activities that they can do to get started, especially during this tough time. Because I, my personal belief is that you have the power and you have a lot of the control in your hands. You can't sit back and just rely on the government, rely on external factors. You have to look within and see, okay, what opportunities do you have? What things can you do to change your generation, your wealth, to help your family and yourself, right? So I'm going to pause there, let the music run. Um, and when we get back, we'll break this topic down. Take off, take flight with you. Okay, so I gave a short description of the different businesses you guys have. Why don't we just start off by going around and you guys breaking down the type of businesses you have and then also what was your motivation to start that business? Um, so why don't we start with Pibilo? Why don't you start off with your Timbo Capital? What is that yeah. business and why did you start it? Yeah, sure. So Timbo, Timbo Capital is effectively um, acquiring um, um, single family homes uh, for the purpose of making them um, rentals and targeting families. Um, why did I start that business? I think ultimately what I was thinking when I was in my early 20s was, what am I going to do with the earnings um, that I generate through my career? So I was looking at several ways of, of potentially generating wealth. And coming from the UK, where you know investing in property is sort of a well-known um, asset class or, or, or venture, and having access to the UK in being a British passport holder and coming from there, um, I just naturally leaned towards and leaned into investing into property. So the thinking was very, very simple. Actually, it's very, very simple. It was earn and use those earnings to acquire property over the years on UK soil. Um, and then we've actually done that pretty well, especially over the last uh, three to four years in just doubling down, scaling up um, um, and yeah, achieving success in that space. Why don't we go to a different type of business, um, Daniel? Um, why don't you tell us about your business um, at home with DJ um, and your motivation? I think I'm the unique one here where my side hustle, as I'll put it, is very different to the three of you, where it doesn't involve bricks, but it involves water. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't necessarily call it a business. I don't I don't know. Maybe that puts kind of fear into me of how I look at it and it sort of stemmed from a hobby and I went over this in a take flight takeaway um, earlier this year about at home with DJ but essentially it started being at home um, and I, I kind of gave a bit of background as to how I got into mixology how I got into wanting to be creative of making drinks and just ensuring friends and family that came over to my house had that experience and I sort of wanted to I was encouraged to look a bit further beyond just my four walls and provide a service where I could do drinks for, you know, bespoke events. So I do bespoke drinks for events, like um, maybe a baby shower, an intimate gathering, um, a gender reveal, anything small of like 30 or, or, or less in numbers. Although I've done bigger than that. Um, I wouldn't say I particularly enjoy that, but um, it's something that I've done in the past. And the, re the reason why I say I haven't really enjoyed that is because 
I'm a one man team. Um, I, re- I I I take pride in the way I make drinks. I can't rely on other people to make the quality of drinks I make to the high standard. Uh, my wife has helped me and accompanied me, and I'm very, I'm a very difficult person to work with uh, when it comes to making what? drinks. You would never know from having a podcast with you. <laughs> but yeah, you know, she's 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 tremendous help, and I've got a you know booking at the end of this or middle middle of this month as well. But it's just something I started from home, just making drinks, whether alcoholic beverages or non-alcoholic, and just being very creative with that. And I think when I'm at home, friends come over, I can really experiment on what works well, what doesn't work well. How long does it take me to make a drink? Could I make this in batch? But I really am against making drinks in batch and really like to do single one-on-one drinks. I'll pause, I'll pause there. Um, Shuel, ACG, um, why don't you give us some background on your motivation and what sort of business is it? Yeah, so quite similar to P's. Um, in my case, so ACG stands for Ahmed Capital Group, uh, and it's a family investment office that I founded in 2016. And it's focused on residential investments, um, adding value through developments. And then we also uh, manage our tenants in-house as well. Um, our focus area is Hampshire in the southeast of England, and we identify residential properties. And this has started off with terraced houses, and then we've moved into acquiring blocks of flats, and now we're developing co-living spaces. Now, in terms of my why, um, so I think I, growing up, uh, my dad, he had his own businesses. He had restaurant businesses. And when things were going well, it was great. But then during my teenage years, I saw what happens when the businesses turn and you've got all your eggs in one basket. And I saw financially how challenging that was for my parents at that time. So that was something that always stayed in my mind where at the point where I've got a career or I've got my primary source of income to ensure that I have eggs in other baskets. And for me, real estate was a natural vehicle for that. Um, Buying the first property in 2014, but formalizing it into this structure in 2016. Um, And 2019 was probably the catalyst because that for me was when I went through um, a restructuring process myself where it kind of reminded me again that in a corporate space, nothing is ever guaranteed. And actually from 2019, that's where I invested in myself, did some trainings together with Pavilo, and that's where things really started to accelerate. Um, And that's where we are now. Great. Thanks. Talk to yes. us about your uh, your uh, seven-figure revenue business. <laughs> um, I don't sell any courses, so this is just, <laughs> just advice. Um, um, so on my side, uh, I've got a property management company called Beckley Rose Property Solutions with a business partner um, called Nathan Rose. Um, now, in regards to slightly different from... Pabilo and um, Shuwal in terms of we don't physically own the properties in which we manage. Um, We are really a management agent, if you want to think about that. So concepts such as rent to rent um, service accommodation. So we, similar to like Airbnbs, they don't own cars. We don't own the property. We get in contact with landlords that can't manage their property, don't have the time, are not really profitable. We take those properties um, and then we let them out on a HMO, so House of Multiple Occupancy, so um, split them up into room by room or service accommodation. And really the motivation for starting the businesses were really two things. Um, one, we started in 2019, um, just sort of the beginning of COVID um, sort of time. And similar to Shuwal, 
I just realized the, the the importance of having not all your eggs in one basket, having another form of income, having another cash flow, um, another business which you can you can create, build, and then also potentially pass on to your family or even sell in the future. Also, during my corporate experience, I stayed in a lot of um, accommodations, and I believe that myself and my business partner could provide a better product, a better solution, um, especially as we saw the cost of living was increasing in London and sort of the um, closer areas um, close to London. We thought, okay, what better than to provide a great product for our tenants? Um, and we've been able to build that company now up to um, revenue in the in over six figures um, revenue. And you're looking at a 10% um, up income business. And we've been running that now for the last three years. So that's sort of our background and what we've been doing. Okay, so I think it's great that we've been able to get a quick understanding of our motivations and the businesses that we do. Now, for the listeners, just to make this a little bit more real, right? How did you get started? Like, what is the first thing you do when you're looking to start a business? I think when I was doing some research, looking online, a lot of people say the first thing you should do is sit down and put together a business plan. Is that what you guys focused on first? How how did you start your business day one? I have no business plan and probably, um, I, yeah, I, I'll be real. I don't have a business plan. And that's probably because mine's very much stemmed from a hobby. It was just something I enjoyed doing and was encouraged to look a bit further and beyond. And then I opened myself up for bookings. So in terms of, do I have a vision? I probably don't because it's just a hobby. It's not something I potentially would want to do full time. So it's not something that would put, I don't, well, this is my thinking right now. It wouldn't be something I want to do full time, although in the future it could change. But right now that isn't my ambition or the vision for it. I want it to continue to be something that's fun for me to do, something that I can do at the weekends or during the week, wherever it may be, to really enhance someone's event or experience um, through the drinks I make. Um, but do I, you know, in terms of where did I start, I had an understanding and concept of how to make drinks. I continued to research and invest. I invested in my um, my, my glasses, the, the, the ingredients that I need to make drinks, um, the tools I need to make drinks, books on how to make drinks and understanding glasses, understanding the different types of ice, what ice to use in different drinks, how it should be served, on all those different things. So my mind's probably unique in terms of I didn't have a business plan, but I had to invest in what I wanted to do to, in order to ensure that the service I produced was of high quality. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'll take it from the standpoint of, you know, uh, people listening. Um, if I was to coach my earlier self, right, if I went back and I'm, I'm working my, my nine to five job and I'm learning about the idea of side hustle, what would I coach that individual and, and how would I coach people listening? So I think the very first thing, because I know we have spoken a lot about money so far, is I would get people to sort of understand the side hustle is you're an opportunity to create more value in yourself. Who you become is more, who you become a lot in the journey of building the side hustle is more important than what you actually earn, right? Because the side hustle can actually open up multiple doors if you look at it from a value, creating value proposition as opposed to just an income and revenue source. So I think I think it's really understanding first what's the ultimate primary objective with starting a side hustle, no matter what it is. Um, and I think the lessons you learn throughout trying to establish one are, are really, really important. 
One other thing, Olu, I know you didn't mention in the intro is that whilst there are four successes, success stories here, there's also failures. We've also tried online businesses that haven't worked and we've learned from that as well. So again, it's about value and also what's also important when you get to a certain stage is what story are you, are you able to tell? So with all of that, that's kind of sort of what I would coach someone to keep in mind. In the beginning, um, in terms of a business plan, no. I, I, I sort of said what naturally feels like the right thing to do with the earnings that I'm generating for my career. And I think the best business plan in the beginning is taking action, right? And learning through um, taking the initiative because ultimately that's ultimately what is going to develop the learnings and the, and the sort of ability to keep going. I would say at a certain point when you've actually achieved a number of results and built traction, then consider a business plan. But I think in the beginning, you're really experimenting, taking tests, right? Um, and that's kind of how you should sort of view it. And like what Daniel said, maybe sort of a hobby as well. Um, so yeah, Shuol, um, thoughts? Yeah, it gives me a perfect window to build on, Pierre. I think um, to your question, Olu, I also didn't have a business plan. Uh, I, I, as mentioned, I had that experience growing up with my with my parents in our household. And then similar to me, after a couple of years working, I thought, okay, I've got some cash set aside. So why not invest that in, in property? And what was funny is I bought my first one in 2014. <laughs> I remember when that first one completed and I got the keys, I literally thought I was the real estate mogul of the world like doing everything <laughs> and what's crazy what's so funny what's so funny is it just shows you how when you're at the early at the beginning of these journeys you think you know everything and now even now like almost however many years on eight years now on I still now think that I don't know hardly anything so it's amazing how this evolution um, evolves from your first point where you think you know everything to realizing actually there's so much more out there um but going like building on that uh there was no business plan. It was okay. Let's try and buy one because this was something that was kind of on the um, on my idea board post uh, starting a career of owning a property. But then once you get into it and then you evolve, similar to what P was saying, where can you really grow? Where can you learn? And this was a space that I seemed to be interested in. I was tracking this uh, in my spare time. Uh, I could see an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to learn. And it's one of those things where the more you learn about the space, the more you realize that you didn't know. Uh, and then it just gives you an evolution to just build on from, from there. So the business plan actually came a lot later. That came in 2019, 2020, when I could mm. actually put something together, realizing now what the opportunity was. Uh, but at the beginning, no business plan, but it was just more channeled through, through interest and where I could really take action, as, as P said. Do you two... Um... Do you two feel like the reason you didn't have a business plan initially was because you didn't see it more as a business, you saw it more as an investment in the early stages? So because you saw it as an investment, it's just like if I was looking to purchase stocks, right? I wouldn't particularly put together a business case at the first purchasing. It's more just an opportunity mm -hmm. cost of, okay, I've got to look at my money and say, where am I going to invest it? And then as you started to build it, understand more of the opportunity, I would say probably in the later stage, you now went back and said, oh, no, this is real. I need to understand what the strengths, the weaknesses, opportunities, threats are, what are my margins? And then you more defined it or confined it more to a business. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I think I think that sounds that sounds and feels about right. Um, it was more looked at sort of an investment channel as opposed to a business plan. But I think once you start acquiring debt and you start generating income, and you start having to make payments, you know, dealing with tenants, dealing with agents, you start saying to yourself, okay, what's the thinking around this as a business moving forward? But um, 
Yeah, I would, I would definitely say that. You know, looking back now, actually, maybe one of the advices I'd give my earlier self is don't start a side hustle unless you have plans for it to be a full-time hustle. And I know Daniel spoke a little bit earlier about he sees his more as a hobby. So that's an interesting take, right? Because I think if you start something with the means of making it a full-time venture, then it's there's a sharpened focus. There's there's you know you're really investing your time into something. So um yeah, just a perspective that um worth sharing. I think one also point I wanted to share because you know I think this episode is quite important because I know there's going to be some people listening that actually want to get started. What I wouldn't want someone to do in the early stages is spend weeks and months on end trying to develop a business plan because you're 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 sort of in a way wasting time you can use that time to actually experiment test and get started and learn a lot more than you would have done out of the business plan and i think we all know whatever you put in your business plan is going to look a lot different when you get going right mm-hmm. so people need to sort of keep that in mind you know spend the time and you've only got a limited amount of time anyway because you're working a nine to five so use yeah. that time to actually test and, and experiment um but yeah Oli. yeah um so in 2019, did I put together what people would class as a traditional business plan? So when I think about traditional business plan, you've got like sort of executive summary, what would a company do, the products, you might do like a market analysis, look at your strategy, how you're going to build your team up and then probably put together like a financial plan of how much do you need to invest um, and what is your revenue? I'll say, no, I didn't put a detailed one together, but instead what I put together was a viability plan. So before I was going to invest my time and capital, I wanted to understand, and maybe this is talks more to the motivation. I started off this business to create some form of cash flow through a business. I wanted to see what is the viability? Is this business successful? So I did look at competitors and said, okay, who are the different people that play in this space? So I think that's the best place to start. If you're looking to start off with a business, um, in most cases, when you're starting, it's not new. There's someone out there already doing it. So I look to see, okay, what is that person doing? How can I improve that service, that business? The second thing I'd normally do is I'm a big fan of company house. Um, And company house is just where businesses have to put their financial information there. The reason I like that is because it removes away the smoking mirrors, right? You can see people on social media, on Facebook, talking business, business, business. When you go to the company house side, you can see, is it financially viable? So are they making a profit? Is there actually revenue coming in in that business? Um, Maybe the profit element of it is difficult to understand because you don't know if they're reinvesting, what they're doing with the money that they're making. But I look to see, is there revenue being generated in that particular business, right? Um, And then secondly, I put together, which more importantly for me, and I think a lot of people don't talk about this when starting businesses, is how much capital is needed to start this business. I think we hear a lot about no money, no money, start a business. I don't believe in that, right? You need capital to start a business. Now, the question is, is it your own capital or are you borrowing from family, friends, investors, but you're going to need some sort of capital and you're going to need, you need to understand how long of a runway do you have before your business is out of business, right? (laughs) And I think that's really critical for a lot of people to understand. Like when I start, when we started Beckley Rose Property Solutions, sat down with a business partner and said, okay, 
what do we need to set up a business, renovate the first property? How long do we have before we make revenue? How many payments do we have to give to the landlords and the owners before, hey, we call up and say, hey, we need to <laughs> wrap this up, right? You need to understand what that capital <laughs> number is, right? And that could be 10, it could be 1,000 pounds, it could be 100 pounds, it could be up to 100K. You need to have an understanding of what your runway is um, before you make that viable. So for me, those were the three areas that I focused on. But like P said, I didn't spend too much time putting together a business plan because I feel like sometimes people use that as a um, a crutch uh, opportunity, not really to do anything. It hides them, their fear factor stops them from really going. But as soon as you know those three things, so your competitors, looking at their company details on company house just to make sure that it's viable, doing your own calculation to understand, okay, what capital do you need to run this business? I then got started. And as I started, as the business started, I started to redefine the business plan, started to put together a vision of what I have for the next two years, three years, four years of the business. Well, I think it's key there where you broke down the amount of capital that's needed because often when people want to start a new business venture, they often think it's a lot of money. And depending on what product or service is, it can be. But I think you also need to understand depending on which industry you're in or what you're providing, it could be that it's five pounds, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, a hundred pounds. It might not be that enormous figure that you, you know, it's going to scare you and that's almost going to make you freeze. You know, it could be a very small, insignificant amount that you can start, you can reinvest and then start to grow as you're starting to make money or generate revenue. For sure, Daniel, I will say day one, we didn't need to put all that capital in day one. It was gradually over the period of time. So especially I think for most of us, we've got a full-time job as well. So you could also, as you're earning more money, put that back into the business. Um, now, for you guys starting the business, what skill sets did you need? Because I think... This is an interesting question. Like, did you have to do a course? Did you so, have to go back to university to get more education? Like, how did you start this? Like, what skill sets did you need? So I guess there's a, yeah, a conversation around hard and soft skills. I think the first thing I'll say actually is when I was thinking about um, the question before the episode, I actually looked at it and reflected back and I said to myself, all of the skills that you need to have a successful series of business alongside your job are skills you actually can't write on a CV. What do I mean by that? You're looking at things like discipline, resilience, sharpened focus, being efficient with your time, right? So these are really the skills that you're actually developing and getting great at. Because ultimately, if you're tied up from nine to five, you ask yourself, where am I going to use the time to actually then build the business? So now you become a lot more time efficient than you was before. Resilience, failures. We're going to talk a little bit about failures. Your ability to keep going. The ability to start something and finish it, right? So you have to finish task off in order to make progress. Um, discipline, right? Motivation, discipline over motivation versus the other way around. So I think these are these are the 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 if I if I look at the successes that we've had in our spaces, it's it's rooted in these skill sets. Now, obviously, there's another element to it, which is around the courses that you mentioned, Olu, to understand the educational side of things from a tactical standpoint. But what keeps you going and in the game, I think, are things that are more related to mental. Um, so yeah, nice. Um, sure. Uh, so I was thinking about it from um, a slightly different angle to to P, but the the points that P mentioned are important as well. I think the way that I was thinking about it is, if I was to start something tomorrow, then I would start initially with some self reflection. So meaning, 
what are the areas that you naturally seem to be gravitating towards in your downtime that you have this interest in and that you can build on? Because I think if you build on a foundation where there's some type of interest already, it's a lot easier than trying to do something where you're forcing yourself to learn about a new space. So having that self-reflection and understanding where you have interest. The second element is to try and get around people that are already in the space, whether you're paying for that through a course, whether you're finding people in social media communities, whatever it is, just try and put yourself in that space just because through that you'll learn a lot and see what others are doing. Um, and then finally, I mean, if you wanted to go in the educational route, I personally think that it's worthwhile, but you can read online about reviews where people have had the opposite experience. But I think if you're coming into it with that area of interest, you're surrounded by others also in that space. And of course, if you have that skill set backbone that P mentioned, then I think if you pay for any form of education, then you will get out of it what you're what you're trying to seek as well. And I think ultimately in the in the stuff that we're doing, we probably wouldn't have got to that stage unless we learned from someone or observed from someone, either from up close or afar. So that would probably be the the recommendations that I would give. I'll go and then Daniel, you can you can go quickly. Um I'll say I want to tackle this a different way. And I, I want to just tell the listeners, um, whatever skills you need to start a business, you have already, right? And I think I want to go through it from a space of abundance. And I think a lot of people think, um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I can't, I can't, I can't. But if you're already at this stage, you've got the skill sets, right? I've seen millionaires, billionaires, who some people might say traditionally is not as smart as other professors, teachers, etc. Right. And I just want to let the listeners know you have the skill set to start any business, or, and P taught me this valuable lesson, you can always find the resource or outsource that skill that you need. Right. And I'll give a quick example of this. Last night, I was thinking about creating an app went on YouTube and looked how to create an app. There was a three hour video on how to code an app. And I was like, okay, cool. Should I sit down and learn how to code? And then I was like, ah, I could just go on. What would P do? Is what I said. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> what would P do in this situation? And I was like, I P that. is relentless with his time. And P's not sitting down at this age, three hours to learn how to code. <laughs> so I went... <laughs> So I went on five. It, it would probably take longer than three hours. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> he will pause that video every five seconds. <laughs> so I went on Fiverr and I looked at app developers and I found a ton of app developers and I spent 20 minutes putting together a description of what sort of app I wanted to create. And I sent it out to people. I've got now quotations starting from Nice. 150 pounds to 400 500 pounds now how much is my time worth let's be honest that's a three-hour video but the time for me to actually code it would probably be a month or two months cfo time cfo time not be expensive time isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's executive, <laughs> that's executive six, time it's executive time six months to create it. so you can shorten that skill set which i don't have by outsourcing it as well so I, like i would say i would want to say like in terms of skill set to start any business you have it and if there's any gaps that you don't, you have, you can either outsource it or find someone, a business partner to fill that gap. Really, really quick, just to jump on that, because I'm conscious of time. Um, a couple insights that can maybe help someone who's thinking about where to start. Um, I was shared this. They said, try to find the intersection of the following three things. One, 
What have people praised you about over the last few years, right? What's the common thread in that? The second thing is, what can you talk about easily on a Saturday afternoon? And then the third thing is, what would you actually do for free? So if you can find intersection across those three, that might help to push you in the direction that you want, you need to be in for the side hustle. The other thing I'll also add, and it's one of the reasons as to why um, I failed in starting a side hustle is try to get um, accountability from someone else or who else can you work with in building this side hustle? That will take you a long way. Daniel, what about you say? I think a lot of you have said, you know, the skills that are just, you know, you can't really put on a CV and you have to learn all the things that come naturally to you. But one thing for me that I'll add is being able to take feedback because mine is a service where I provide drinks. I want people to be honest with their feedback and say whether they liked it or didn't enjoy it. And of course, whilst people have a, a natural uh, lean to certain drinks, whether it's sweet or sour or smoky, whatever it may be, I have to take it with a pinch of salt to know that not every drink would cater to everyone. But nevertheless, I want feedback on presentation, how long it took to make, did you enjoy it? etc and there was one instance where I did an event and there was one drink I made and it was it didn't taste right and I could tell it didn't taste right and I took that personally and I thought you know I need to improve on this I need to go away and find an effective way to make this quickly as well as maintain the good quality and taste of it so I'll just pause there kind of because I don't want to regurgitate what anything anyone else has said thanks thanks Daniel um I just wanted to double back and double click on something that um, P mentioned in regards to failures that we've had, right? We're talking about four businesses, side hustles that we've been able to do. And we don't want to paint a picture that is all rosy, is all um, fantastic and great, right? Why don't we talk about some of the businesses we've had, um, some of the failures in those businesses and some of the lessons learned? Yeah, sure. Um, I think I think perhaps myself and you all have those strong stories. So um, at one stage in our careers, we decided we thought it would be a good idea to build an online um, business. And in short, net net with income and outgoings, I lost between eight to ten thousand pounds in trying to get that business up to a certain um, point. The lessons there was ultimately I was doing too much by myself. I think I should have actually looked to hire. Um, like, you know, you can actually bring in a lot of VAs and people to help with doing a number of tasks. So that's one. Um, I think the second thing is, um, I probably think that's the main, that was the main task. The main issue, sorry, is not hiring out or, or sharing the task quick enough and trying to do too much myself. So it was everything from start to finish. Um, and then eventually I think you start to lose perhaps motivation and then maybe burn out a little bit because you're not actually uh, making as much money as you'd like to make. I think another reason why I failed in that online business, it was purely for money. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Purely for money. So it was literally just saying, okay, how can I make 30, 50, 100,000 pounds a month in this business? Um, and I'll sell whatever I need to sell in order to get to that. So that was what it was versus property has a lot more meaning in the journey. Um, I could quickly go um, just in terms of one of my failures. Um, at university, um, I started a business called Everything Uni which was supposed to compete with eBay and Amazon <laughs> at the time uh, for university products um, and spent a lot of time on it, invested in a website being created, etc. cetera. Um, but my biggest failing there was really around um, trying to do it alone, trying to do everything alone in that sense. Um, I think it was a great concept. It was a great business idea, but I should have brought other people on that journey, found business partners, 
people that had similar ideas and I feel like it could have been really successful if I didn't try and do everything by myself. Yeah, on my side, the failure was um, that there was a point where at the beginning of the property journey, I was looking at potentially starting a rent to rent business with my with my brother. Um, and that's something that I started with him. I think my reflections on that was I don't think that was necessarily building on either of our strengths. And it was more to similar to what P was doing with the online business to look at more of a cash flow figure. I think my learnings from that is really look at the strengths that you have with the people that you're doing this together with. Where are the collective interests and the passions that you have? And where can you actually get the most amount of value for the time that you're investing in? And actually moving away from that is is okay. So it's perfectly fine to fail and pivot from that. But pivoting away from that allowed us to focus even more on acquiring the real estate. And that was something that we had already built quite a good process around together in terms of how we acquire and how we manage. Uh, so that was a... a I'd say that was a failure because it didn't work. And at the time, it was quite frustrating as to why it wasn't working. But then in hindsight, it was it was obvious because neither of us were really that into it. And then we were chasing it for the for the wrong reasons. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was a, a failure, but lots of good lessons from that. OK, now, um, thanks, you all, for those um, the failures element. I think let's close out. Um, I think there's been a lot of great information and knowledge that we've received on this episode. So I want us to just really take 10 seconds, right? Um, go around and each person give really two key things or two key um, tips you have for starting a business in this environment. Okay, Daniel, what do you think? Oh, mine would be very simple. It's you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Simple as that. Meaning just start with what you have and where you are. Sure. To, to quickly build on Daniel, I would find an area that you have some form of interest in where you naturally gravitate towards. And then building on that, the second tip would be just surround yourself with people who are in that space because you'll learn so much just from those two alone. My two is find a business partner. Um, the journey is easier with two people or more. Um, and then the second one would be the viability plan that I mentioned. So understanding your competitors understanding if those businesses are actually profitable or how much revenue they're making. And then thirdly, how much capital do you need to start? I would say um, start as early in the day as possible. Wake up, start learning how to wake up at 4 or 5 a.m. Start your side hustle before you start your work. Thank you, guys. Um, really appreciate this episode. I think this was a really interesting, tangible, tactical episode on how to start businesses, which the listeners would truly value. Um, Thank you for listening and I'll pass it on to Daniel to close us up. Thank you all for uh, tuning into this week's episode. Uh, our producer, Nandi, will do a great job in editing this, but just for the context behind the scenes, we've had a lot of laughter. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice, um, but we we certainly enjoyed recording this episode for you all. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. See you next week with a new episode. God bless. Take off, take